So, anyway, our next guest now is um, Eleanor Skelly, counsellor and psychotherapist. And Eleanor, you are most welcome to Scarif Bay Radio. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Welcome, Eleanor. Now, Eleanor, the reason we asked you is when we thought about um, the Ukrainian crisis and how it would impact in Ireland, um, even aside from actually meeting refugees and, you know, the actual reality of people coming to the country. The images of the war have been on our televisions now for going into the third week. And um, I was very concerned, as, as Geraldine is, we're both grannies, you know, and I'm very concerned about perhaps how we should talk to children about the war, about the invasion. I think that we should think about our own children and how we manage that. And I think you might help us a little bit with that. Yeah, thank you very much for having me here um, this morning. I, I suppose, um, you know, the, the, the war in Ukraine coming on the back of, of the pandemic, I think, has has you know, increase the level of anxiety and flux, um, you know, not just in our country, but across Europe and the world. And in terms of, I suppose, talking and and trying to navigate that kind of narrative of uncertainty and confusion and anxiety, um, I, I would always say that the first thing we do is that we check in with our own feelings as adults before we would begin to... Um, to check in with our children. Okay. Uh, and the reason for that, um, as just a kind of a good rule of thumb, is that children um, and our adolescents uh, pick up, you know what I mean, what we're feeling, even yeah, yeah. F- even physiologically. Um, and and, th- and the body does quite a bit of work um, as a child. So, so we know from all the research that, you know, young children in particular um, will somaticize their emotional landscape so you know you might notice sleep disturbance or tummy aches or headaching and and I know in my own practice now I work um, predominantly with kind of over 12s um, upwards into adults but um, during the pandemic um, you know the levels of anxiety uh, presenting um, almost as a mirroring of what was happening in the 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 wider society. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's really important that we're just mindful ourselves as parents, adults, teachers, grandparents um, in the community that we would first maybe tend to our own feelings, yes. um, almost ask ourselves what are our thoughts and feelings around yes. what's happening. Um, and then in terms of beginning to speak to our children or and adolescents around that, um, I think a good rule of thumb as well is just to to check in with them first around what they know. OK, yes. you know what they know already before we bring, you know, a whole kind of um, set of kind of, you know, information or facts to them. Check in with them. So this could be in the car coming home from school exactly. or something. It doesn't have to be a big formal sit down. Yeah, I think I think uh, f- well certainly for the adolescent that kind of parallel conversation mm-hmm. is really helpful. The one where we're not eyeballing them as such, yeah, but yeah. we're in the car, um, you know, we're going for a walk, we're we're in the kitchen, you know, doing the dishes together. So, um, so to check in with what they what their understanding is. Um, 
And then it's easier to meet that because it gives you a great sense of where they're at. Mm -hmm. Because some children, you know, the the under fives won't necessarily have a, a kind of a cognitive understanding of what war means. So they do understand, you know, what fighting between people, they do understand what it is to be in conflict with each other. But that idea of nations being at war, actually to kind of cognitively understand that when they're, do you know what I mean, under four or five, um, you know, it it is something that that we don't necessarily need to kind of feed them with facts or... Should we be careful with, you know, leaving social media, leaving Mm. leaving devices out of this and just really going back to televisions and Mm. the screen being on, certainly in our house... There's a lot of news that goes on, you know, should we in the background, should we be careful about the images that young children are exposed to? Because, I mean, some of these reports are very, very graphic. graphic. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think I think that, um, again, for all of us, you know, the the exposure to uh, the graphics, the horrors of war, well, again, it's really important that we don't hide from those as adults. But I think it's important that all of us kind of modulate our exposure to that because it's really important that we too stay kind of grounded in our everyday life. And that actually helps us to be more effective in terms of helping. Do you know what I mean? Decision making, trying to find a way to make a difference. Whereas if we if we stay in that kind of overexposure, that twenty four seven piece, then we're in that emotional place mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, and one of the things that I was struck by, you know, just around um, around kind of the imagery and and again maybe kind of a useful tip. Um, when discussing it with your children or adolescents is to focus on, you know, the courageous aspects, to focus on the the resilience pieces. So while they might be quite... um, While we may find... So I had seen um, the story of the 11-year-old who had made his way 11 hours with his passport and his, you know, plastic bag uh, because his mother wasn't in a position to travel with him. Or the little girl who sang um, the Frozen song. So the piece around that for children is that it, it allows them to see a resilience piece and a courage piece and and a part of perseverance you know so uh it's not necessarily just as the antidote but i suppose the kind of human experience of war you know is all of those parts so Mm -hmm. it's really important that as we're trying to kind of um monitor the overexposure to to the horrors that we would also kind of maybe use the pieces of the courage i'm just listening to you there eleanor and i i don't know if you were watching the late late last night Mm. but mary mcleese and mary robinson were on now both of them feel strongly but both of them they each feel differently Mm -hmm. and the effect of one person was to make you feel really angry, mm-hmm. but the other person was quite. Mary, uh, Mary McAleese was very, very angry, and mm. she just could not hide it. And she's right to be angry. I'm not saying she isn't, but Mary Robinson was much more measured, 
And I could feel that she was more calming than Mary McAleese. And I can see what you're saying. If we catastrophize the whole thing all the time, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to be good. It's there and we have to live with it. But as you said, deal with our own feelings first, I think. And, you know... I suppose anger in itself is sort of kind of useless anyway. It's kind of unhelpful in nonsense. In my line of work, we tend, we try not to judge any of the emotions because they can all be, they're very, you know, informative. They're very, so we validate those feelings. I'm not criticising her. I'm just saying it's two different attitudes. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think... The, the piece again is is to have space for all those emotional experiences, yes. but but that we would kind of help to make them into something that could be constructive. Yes. So anger is a great, you know, a great emotion against it's it's kind of a rage against you know what I mean what's happening. Mm-hmm. It's a real. It tells us we're alive and that we care about okay. you know what I mean yeah, what's yeah, happening yeah. there. Um, but but for our our children our adolescents in particular. We're hoping to kind of, um, you know, to make these emotional, you know, experiences that they're having, as I said, coming out of the pandemic, which, you know, as a backdrop has, I suppose, unsettled them because many haven't gone through the regular milestones and now they find the world in flux again with a huge amount of uncertainty. And uh, Eleanor, can I just stop you there and ask you then about... You know, I, I was a small child when Vietnam was mm-hmm. out, and tele- there wasn't a hell of a lot of television on, but what was on was Vietnam day and night, mm-hmm. and there weren't any good stories. There wasn't any stories of resilience. You were only seeing, mm. you know, her- horrific attacks. And I remember going to bed at night and being really terrified that that was going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. If you had a child that was anxious because of something they had seen, what kind of... How can you make them feel that they are safe? What kind of things could a parent do? Yeah, I think, again, it's recognising what's happening, validating those feelings, sharing your own feelings in terms of, of that it's okay for an adult to say, I'm scared too, or I'm, do you know what I mean, confused, or, you know, things are uncertain so that they don't feel isolated with their own feelings, like it's just them and that okay. everybody else okay. is OK. Um, I think sharing enough facts, parents will know, they will know their children. They'll know that the child maybe that needs a hug as opposed to the child maybe who needs to play with their friends. And not all children are going to be affected, but for the child... That, that that is so we we can't make an assumption that they they're all or going to be, be affected. Yes, exactly. Um, but for the child that is, I think it's really important that we we speak to that place for them that they can lean into the resourcefulness within the family. And and you know when you met me on the street the other day and it invited me and it was I was struck by your question of like as a grandmother. And again, I was thinking you know, what place, you know, the grandparents have in this. And I suppose, again, I'll go back to the pandemic that that during that time, you know, grandparents were separated from their grandchildren for, for very good reasons. And I thought, you know, in terms of navigating uh, this particular crisis for however long it will go on, uh, 
the resourcefulness of grandparents and to bring them together with their with their grandchildren. Because you spoke, first of all, grandparents more than kind of our parents can put stuff in a historical context. And also not saying that you're older, <laughs> but uh, when, when they can see that people live. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Long lives. So yes. so yes. so I think it would stuff be, happens and people yes. continue to survive. So, yeah. so, so, you know, I was kind of thinking, well, what could grandparents do? And maybe because they will have a little bit more time because parents are now going to be in the, you know, in the stress of high inflation, etc. that perhaps grandparents uh, within our communities could, you know, begin those conversations with their adolescent grandchildren, whatever, pull out the map, pull out the globe. Unfortunately, we're all getting, you know, familiar with Maripol or, you know, different these names. So in the same way as you kind of describe Vietnam, the sharing of that kind of historical piece of that wars have happened before that people you know what I mean, have survived. And it's well, you know, when we were children, when we were children in England, I mean, the Hungarian Revolution had happened, mm-hmm. the the Czech Rising or whatever. Those children were in my school, yeah. you know. And that was, that was so you had a little bit of what was on the television, what was, and you also had that. And that's why, I, as soon as this war began, I started to think about, but I think that's very helpful what you say. So we're kind of just even summing up on some of it, checking in on your own feelings, first of all, yeah. and kind of seeing how you are, and making yourself accessible, I suppose, to recognising that, you know, acknowledging the, the kind of issue that the child has and their anxiety, mm-hmm. accepting that not all children will have this situation. At all, yes. it bothers them at all. Yeah. You know, yeah. or mightn't they mightn't display it? Yeah. Would that be it? Yeah. yeah, and they mightn't have it at all. So you know, the the piece is to to just be, I suppose, attuned to yeah. the children, whether whether as grandparents or parents or teachers, to be attuned to them, and some of them will, and some of them won't need some help and support on it. Keep it simple. You know, gone are the days of secrets. Yes. You know, whispering in the corner. So it's really important that we 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 give some factual pieces, but that doesn't necessarily mean overexposure to to the horrors and devastation. And that that if we can kind of lean into helping them, you know, understand that adults are are trying to to solve this problem, that there are you know that helpers. Are, are out there trying to help the children. Um, and again, the images, you know, we, we talk about, you know, talking, etc. I, I am one of the scenes that struck me, I suppose, the most kind of as a therapist is that um, as the children were coming off the trains into Poland, uh, the volunteers were standing with soft toys, with teddy bears. And from adolescence, I mean, from 16 down, they handed a bear or a, a teddy to, to each one of them. And without fail, each child smiled mm-hmm. as they moved on. And, and so we can often get caught up ar- around, you know, talking and understanding and cognitively but but for me that piece was that that kindness and that gesture of compassion in a really symbolic way without a word being exchanged you know almost in a way symbolized 
getting to somewhere safe for yes. the moment and yes. what that will mean yes. into the future and how long that and, will go on. And children as well, just to, just to finish that, I mean, children who are, um, they're going to be part of fundraising in schools. There'll be special days. I know I know, Tulla School is having a, a concert in the, you know, and children are saying poems and everything. So they're being involved in that. So they're all things that people can feel good about, mm. that, you're, that you are part of something, as you say, part of the help, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So Eleanor, God, I, I I, I could listen for for another hour and learn so much from you. Just one thing, Eleanor, and, and it won't affect us here in Scarf, I don't think, but it might affect people in Ennis or just around Clare. There are Russian children in schools. Of course. I think we have to be very, very careful that those kids aren't ostracised. I think they are being in some schools as we speak, and that's wrong. Yeah, absolutely. As, you know, as someone who yeah spent a, a few summers in Russia, in Russia and yeah, uh, yeah w- was there for the coup in '91, and I suppose there was you know so much hope for democracy. Um, I think the piece, I suppose, as well that we're trying to narrate is the reduction in othering. You know, the othering or the the kind of the sides piece. And, yes. uh, and although we all have a moral compass around what's happening, um, there are Russian. Do you know what I mean? There are Russian children, there are Russian families who are here, who are part of our community um, uh, and who have their perspective on what's happening. So I think it's really important that, again, we hear from them as opposed to deciding that there is a binary piece, that they're on the other side. Um, Because the history, you know, the history of Russia the history of Ukraine, you know, it's a long history around that that kind of seeking of freedom, mm-hmm. and and it, it's yeah. had you know yeah. many a crisis al- along the yeah. way, yeah. Um, and the Polish communities. Well, I was thinking about them, you know, and many in our schools as well. Yes. That that they can speak very kind of personally yeah. to to knowing those places in Poland exactly. and also yeah, affirming yeah, yeah. the wonderful work. Some of them had been in work. Poland it's, and yeah. the border had been yeah. changed. Yeah. yeah, Lviv was in Poland at one point. Yeah, yeah but, but that they can, uh, they can affirm even what's happening, that we can affirm for them what they're doing in their yeah. country. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's really great. Eleanor Skelly, as always, a pleasure to talk to you and thank you so much for coming in this morning. Thank you, Eleanor. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you.